to the Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Manufacturing Division Under God. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And tonight is, what are we again? Wednesday. I do this all the time these days. Wednesday, December 27th in the year 2023. We are going to have a major, we're having a major change in scheduling. I want to start out with that on right on the top. And I've started it tonight, and this is the way we're going to be going moving forward. What I'm doing right now is restructuring a schedule that's going to give me some time to do a little more research, more thorough in the programs, and at the same time, starting to offer, which will begin in the end of January, one very special segment of a deep dive that will include video. This is what's going on. As of tonight, and going forward, we're going down to two shows a day, not three. The show times will be in the morning. For now, the show will be called Bended Knee. That name may change. We'll see how that goes down the road. But it is nonetheless, it is going to be the 7 a.m. show, Pacific time, 10 a.m. Eastern. So a 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern show. That show will be an hour now rather than 30 minutes. Then there's going to be the second show of the day, which is this. This is the Bards FM show, the nightly show. And this will be 7 p.m. Pacific and 10 p.m. Eastern. No more. You won't. We won't have Fishers at midnight on Eastern anymore. And we'll keep at that schedule, which will be Monday through Friday, which will be two shows a day. And then on Sunday, we have the morning prayer and healing show, Coffee with Jesus, which will be 7 a.m. instead of 6 a.m., 7 a.m. for the block of time, which is typically three hours. And then we'll have an evening show at 10 a.m. or 7 a.m. 7 p.m. Pacific and 10 a.m. Eastern, which will be Peace Be Still. So all the times are going to be standardized now. Two shows a day. On the six out of the seven days we have shows, they will be 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, and 7 p.m. Pacific and 10 p.m. Eastern. All these things have been posted on the website. We're going to continue to update that. We'll be sending out a newsletter this week, which will start to be a regular Friday release of the newsletter. And then once a month, which I'll starting to build, there will be a video and deep dive written product that will come out near probably released on a Saturday that will come out once a month. This also gives me a little more latitude to do pop-up shows, which is once in a while I just want to jump on and do something and we're going to have that. So this is going to be a, it's going to be a bit of a, a, a shift, but it's a good one. It's really going to improve content. It's going to reduce the volume a bit. Um, Someone says, question, why didn't you keep Bards FM at 6 p.m. Pacific? Because the overwhelming response was to move it to 7, and it's easier on me because it allows me to have a regular dinner time and it keeps people to listen to the shows at a um, at a time that's better for both Pacific and East Coast, and I've checked on that, so that's why. So this is, um, I'm just checking chat here. So it's the, the ability right now that's important to understand is there has to be a little bit of adaptation as we move into this new year. There's going to be a tremendous amount of things going on. And there's I have 
a big project, a number of big projects. I've been talking about one of the projects for two years. It's going to get done this year, and that's my first book. That's coming out this year. Um, title's already established, so that's good. We have, uh, and I want to be able to spend a little more time on these programs. I, I enjoy these programs immensely, and we I need to really kind of focus in to get two wealthy, rich content programs. The morning show will be primarily scriptural based. It will be uh, it will be more focused on prayer warfare, healing, and deliverance. And then the evening show is going to be rich in content for what we typically do: news and analysis. And putting that always in context in one way or another in a biblical framework. So that gives us a solid bit every day. Um, and someone says it interrupts Duncan's show. I, I'm sorry. It's, it's, this, this shift has to be made. So that's where we're at. So that's where I'm moving. And it's, it's, um, it's, so anyway, this is the way it has to go. I mean, this is a shift that has to be made for better content continuity and better response from people who we're getting on, on the followers, and that's where we're going. So that's that's where I'm at. I mean, this, is, this isn't a competition, and if, if you feel compelled to pull off and go see another show midway through, that's fine. Remember these shows we're, we're talking about live, and the, we have a live audience, which is extremely important, and we also have a, the podcast with posts at the regular time. So that's where we are. So this is... Um, this is where we are going to have to stay focused now to really start to enhance content, content value immensely. And that's where we'll be. So anyway, that's, that's it for now. Um, and I'm just kind of getting everybody, I think it's worthy of giving kind of a framework of why the shift happened, because I do think it's important. We've been doing this schedule for a long time. If you remember after the, after the election, I was doing six shows a, a day back in 2021 or 2020, I guess it was. That was after the election of 2020. I was doing six shows a day. And then that went on for about six or eight months. I pared that down to three shows a day, um, which I've been doing now since 2021. And that's really post-Bards Fest 2021. So since about October of 2021, I've been doing three shows a day. This is a paring down a bit again um, just to get focused on the higher level of content and what we're going to be doing, better research, a morning and an evening show. Times are the same, so it's 7 and a 7 or a 10 and a 10. Easy to remember, easy to schedule in, and easy to do. So there we go. So that's that's the shift as of tonight, and definitely a higher emphasis. So some of the feedback was um, that there was way too much content for people to keep up with these days, and I agree with that. It's even hard for me to keep pace with three shows a day. And, and to keep good content. So I really want to just make sure we're getting rich and solid content. That's good. Okay, so there's that, which is important. There's another announcement that I have today, which is really important, and it's one I want uh, everyone to pay attention to. On January 13th, which is a Saturday, in um, Oxford, Indiana, there is going to be a revival. It's called the Dan Patch Revival, and it's led by Leah. And Michelle, the Resistance Chicks, it's going to be a really good revival. And it's tied in with some folks of Bards Nation that are there. So really encourage you to check that out. That is going to be Saturday, January 13th. It's called the Dan Patch Revival with Resistance Chicks. And that will be in Oxford, Indiana. At, it'll start at 6 p.m., which is Eastern time. And you can check all that out at resistancechicks.com. So that's, I expect this to be a really good event they have an address, which is 302 West Plum Street in Oxford, Indiana. So that should be a really good event coming up. 
there is, um, we're going to cover a lot of topic tonight based on this discussion, manufacturing division under God, which is very important to understand really what is happening here and how things are going to continue to be worse, not better. As we get that framing, just a kind of a, a quick update on this evening, which is pretty powerful. Um, Marjorie, who's a Bars Nation follower, some time back, well, well, well over a year ago, about two years ago, actually, began building a school, which happens to be uh, from where we are here. It's 38 minutes drive, 35 minutes drive from the property we have here in Oregon. And that school is now going to be a Bards Nation school. It's a Bards Nation kids school. It's intended to provide a lot of hands-on crafts and arts training for kids. How that is going to move forward, how we're going to get the enrollments, I don't know yet, but I'll keep you posted. We were just over there this evening. It's a beautiful space. And that space is on, on about three to five acres that uh, she's donating over to this entire movement for the concepts behind Operation Vineyard and to work with children. So this is a it's in a beautiful space, beautiful building, amazing views from that from the mountainside she's on, and it has a the vision here is to have a woodworking and in one section has woodworking and welding and sort of the and and kiln work in one side, and then there's going to be sewing and painting, and there's going to be a library for kids. It's really amazing space. So we were over this evening praying on that and getting that uh, kind of prayed up and 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 blessed. In the many ways, I took all the Cantrell children with me today, and we went over there and prayed, prayed on Marjorie and prayed on the, the space. Really beautiful. So that's an upcoming part coming forward here. The other bit of news, which I can tell you pretty firmly, um, just for planning purposes, we had talked a lot about different Bards Fests. There will like there will be we will support where we can small pop up events um, like revivals and that sort of thing. But the main Bards Fest will be one this next year. And that will be likely in the same place, which is Flemingsburg, Kentucky. That's what we're working on right now. I'll hopefully be able to give you solid dates and times on all of that in the next two months. But my anticipation is it will be similar to the same date framework as last year. So end of September, beginning of October range, it will be one um, location, which one event next year, not multiples. And again, the the initially right now we're leaning towards Flemingsburg, Kentucky, and I'll give you more information on that as we go. So those are kind of some big announcements for today to kind of get those out and going. Before we get going, I definitely want to uh, make mention of one of our great sponsors, which is uh, Birch Gold. Now, one of the things that we can definitely be expecting coming into this year is a it's a presidential election year, and obviously between now and November. You can be sure that basically 24-7, everything's going to be in total turmoil. That's the best they can possibly guarantee you to ensure for certain that we will have the world upside down by the time we get to the elections. One of the things we have to be constantly aware of is the savings that we have in, in the banks and what they intend to do with retirement savings. They are literally pilfering everything they can these days. It's disgusting. So you need to make as much effort as you can to secure your money into something as a tangible asset. One of those things to do is to get it into gold and silver. Now, Birch Gold has a wide range of offers that they can do deal with on and help you on in getting things to gold and silver. One of their specialties is working with retirement accounts based in a tax-deferred retirement accounts anchored in precious metals. If you have an existing 401k or IRA, they are great to work with. Give them a call, if and we'll get that information in a second. In addition, 
setting up a tax-deferred precious metals-based retirement account is another opportunity. They do great work here. So all you have to do is text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to the number 989898. Again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to the number 989898. And that's what will allow you to get into your own tax-sheltered IRA based on precious metals. Now, Burst Gold is an A-plus rating with Better Business Bureau. They've got thousands of satisfied customers, including many from Bars Nation, and you can trust them. So, and again, text BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 and get your free info kit. Read through it. Once you read through it, call them and set up a call. Again, BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 and get going today. It's important. Our economy is literally upside down. It's a little bit insane. One of the things I want to start with tonight, which is really important, is a concept called DIE. Now, DIE typically is referred to in in the business world as a a way of looking at uh, how to prevent bad hiring. And what is D or DEI, I should say, it's what they call it is DEI. I'm going to re, we're going to reframe it tonight, but DEI is diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this is any diversity, equity, inclusion is really important to understand how much this, this is a woke culture concept and how much this is permeated into the deeper part of our culture and how much it is causing such enormous problems in our culture. So diversity, equity, inclusion is literally is nothing of the sort. And what it really is more about is it's about it's not it's not equitable, it isn't inclusive, and it definitely isn't diverse. D, the concept of DEI is probably better understood in terms of three words, which would be degrading, exclusion, and intolerance. The pool of employees, employees, officials, and hires across the employable uh, area that we have, literally that talent pool is being put in a, in a a place of being analyzed in a way that is degrading. They're looking at things in terms of skin color. There is, uh, there's no longer a criterion to choose what is best for, for a performance. And color is the only thing that matters in a DEI framework. So that's a racial-based hiring process. Exclusion is another one. Meritorious whites, Asians, Jews, and Christians are routinely excluded from the pool of hires in many companies, siphoning off those whose ethnic groups have historically scored higher than others guarantees that the only ones left are less equipped. So we're seeing a complete degradation of the workforce environment and intolerance. DEI and proponents do not even consider hiring non-minorities. So we have, we've developed a situation here where through this World Economic Forum concept of the world, we're seeing a war against strong classes of people, primarily that would be whites in this country, but that also goes after Asians, Jews, and Christians as a whole. Under the concept of DEI, they can get away with anything and they can get away with everything racist. It's intended to do so to try to create a great division in society. Now, the problem with this is it's starting to, it permeates far beyond industry. And when it gets into industry and it permeates there, we start to see Truly, where the what we're dealing with now, which is this massive cultural war, which is incredible amount of division and hate, way beyond anything we have ever imagined, and it's only getting worse. This is how they are literally trying to fight and win a war by dividing us and keeping us divided. I have a short piece here I want to play just in reference to some of that. Take a listen. Listen, bad is coming. Whether you want to believe it or not, it absolutely is. The stage is being set, and in many respects, it already has been for years. We are our own 
It's a self-sustaining chain reaction at this point. They kicked us off a long time ago. And we've continued to degrade into the madness that you see around you daily. And you know what? We're doing their job for them. There is more division and hate than there's ever been in our country. And people are struggling now more than ever. More are living paycheck to paycheck as we continue to send money elsewhere. Right? You'll see comments out there that say, oh, I have more money than I did five years ago. Shut up. No, you don't. And while there's always anomalies in every situation, most people absolutely do not. You know who does? Our leaders. <laughs> leaders. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely love lining their pockets, right? And you know who else does? Little Z's laundromat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they absolutely have more money. They have a lot more money. Look, riots and protests break out continually, and our government has all but promised us that 2024 is going to be a year that sees some stuff, especially leading up to the end of the year. And we all know what's happening at the end of next year. Listen, if at this point your hope, your only hope, is not in Jesus, then what the heck are you looking to? I hope it's not in one single human being on this earth. Because no one, not one person on this earth is going to help us. God can only help us now. I think that's right at the core of most everything we have to constantly be reframing to, which is the importance of keep remembering that in the political year, which is going to get extremely divisive, it's and it's going to be designed to keep everybody at odds with one another, to continue to build deeper and deeper rifts. And these rifts are intended to be lasting over time so the country cannot unify. The greatest strength we have is unity, and this in unity through the body of Christ. The greatest asset that the enemy has is convincing us that we literally need to be degraded and we need to be weak, and we arrive there pretty quickly. There's another piece here on a perspective of what we're, what we're seeing right now, and it's worth taking a note because we, just, we know that Trump was just removed from the Colorado ballot. Here's a great perspective. When was the last time that we had states who were removing presidential candidate from the ballot? Abraham Lincoln. Thank you. What did that result in? Civil War. Civil War. This is not a joke anymore. Mm. We cannot take things like this lightly because we have specific examples in the history of our nation that we can look at and then we can watch the result of that. We can look at that in history. And let me tell you right now, man, you don't want that, man. So dead on, but this is what they're trying to push and they're trying to fuel is this entire concept of civil war. Now, we've talked a lot about this in the past, and it continues to be a very important issue to appreciate that their last thing that they have, literally, is to try to get us so divided that we will end up fighting one another. There's a great way to do that, and, and one of the greatest tools they have to do that is fanning the flames of the Second Amendment rights. They have an entire cadre of people, political pundits, obviously, and then you have your paid-for trolls, but there's also a cadre of people in this nation that believe that the Second Amendment is no longer valid. Most of that has come about through the active shooter events and the exploitation the media has done of that, most of which, in those cases, those active shooter events were planned, staged, with, with people that were either programmed or with entire crisis actors that did them. So we have, we have seen this con constant war on the Second Amendment, which is now at a point where what they're trying to fuel this, and this goes right back to what they were doing pre-Trump, when they, had, they were trying to elevate up and fan the, the intensity of the vocal and, quote, First Amendment left using 
to the maximum level of being provocative and antagonistic with the information war, at the same time antagonizing the Second Amendment-driven right to try to foment a war between the two. We're right back at this again, and we're seeing it, and we're seeing it with the woke agenda opposing, trying to get the those of the woke agenda going after the folks of the 2A agenda, the conservatives, and trying to clash a war. Take a listen to this as they try to, again, bring up and try to fuel the hatred on the Second Amendment, folks, and how, how well this is going. So the former First Lady Michelle Obama joined CBS Morning co-host Gail King and had this to say about guns in America. We are the only developed country on the planet where its citizens can have unfettered access to firearms. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not a good thing. After watching this video, I want to put some things into perspective, piece by piece. Do you think that we can ever figure out a way to reconcile gun violence in this country? Because it does keep me up. The reason we haven't been able to reconcile gun violence in this country is because you don't have the conversation honestly. Therefore, we never actually get to the root cause of the issue. First of all, you're looking for a quick and simple solution to what are complex issues. There are various forms of gun violence and each happen for different reasons. Self-inflicted gun violence is by far the most frequent form of gun violence, which is a mental health issue, not a gun issue. If guns were the issue, we'd have the highest rates, but we're not even in the top 10. Then there are actual gun murders. The vast majority of these gun murders happen in Democrat-led poverty-stricken inner cities by way of beefs between different gang and neighborhood cliques and drug territory disputes. That doesn't sound like a gun problem. That sounds like a socioeconomic problem to me. Mass shootings account for less than 1% of gun murders, and it's likely lower than that because a good number of those mass shootings are gang and neighborhood cliques where four or more people died in that shooting and not just some random person shooting up them all. Then there are accidental shootings, which can easily be avoided by simply focusing on firearm safety education. So yes, there is a way to reconcile gun violence in this country. Start focusing on the underlying issues causing such gun violence and they will drastically decrease. The only problem is it's not a quick, simple solution. It will take time and it will be difficult, but the goal will be reached. To reconcile gun violence in this country, because it does keep me up. I hope and pray that that at some point enough becomes enough. Um, what but is there, that point? Uh, you know, we wondered that throughout our entire presidency, mm-hmm. thinking that this time... Yeah, Barack Obama said the Newtown was one of the worst days of his presidency. Yeah. And we still didn't get that message. But we- when is enough going to be enough? is a loaded way of implying that gun owners haven't seen a tragedy big enough yet to justify banning guns. It's also a very slimy statement because it assumes gun owners don't care about people dying and refuse to give up our right to bear arms simply because they're fun and have no other utility other than murder. We protect our right to bear arms because enough has been enough a long time ago. That's why people buy guns for protection. We understand that there are evil people in this world that won't be stopped by laws. We understand that if we're ever to be confronted by that evil, Michelle Obama and her security detail aren't going to be there to protect us. We understand that though they try their best. And though they try their best, they're going to do everything they can to try to ensure that there's a division in this nation if they can't get the guns away. This whole thing is is leading up to, and what he implied there is important, because if you haven't been paying attention to the news, one of the things that has been keeps coming up is this CBS or NBC or CBS report, I think it was NBC, where they literally were 
forecasting a false flag black swan event this year. Now, the idea of bringing up gun violence, you can almost point the finger to it that they're going to start identifying a domestic terrorist attack on the United States, gun violence being used on innocent civilians. They already have the people floating across the border. And so they're getting people ready now to cause this eruption of violence, which will be caused by the fighting age males coming across the border. There'll be random events of violence, and then they will use a martial law attitude to try to confiscate guns and as they put the country under martial law. You can expect that to come, and that would be part of their false flag and black swan event that's coming in 2024. This is the sorts of things they have to do because they have to disarm America to break America. And the direction that we're going right now is a high-speed train to being completely controlled by the World Economic Forum and submitted to the world, the, the United Nations One World Government. We are the obstacle in their way. And as long as we fight and stand still, then none of this will be a problem. But there's many, many things in their way. And the biggest problem they have between us be, is between our faith in, in, in our love in Christ and our arming of weapons. So they are doing everything they can to try to degrade all of those, keep us at odds with one another, and ultimately in their hopes and dreams to be able to destroy us so that we can be hating each other forever and moving forward. Now, if you want to see a direction of where they're going, this China is the model in which they're trying to tool from, and this deals with surveillance and creating the mass dystopian surveillance state. Take a listen to this. Collect about its 1.4 billion citizens. Everyone over the age of 16 is required to have an official state-issued ID card that the government now wants to use to centralize all that information. And China is investing heavily in tech companies to help transform that government data into a virtually omniscient surveillance network. One of those companies is Megvi. It recently received a capital investment of nearly half a billion dollars, part of which is from a state-run VC fund. But the name chosen for its premier piece of technology is a bit of a tell. It's called Skynet. Skynet. Yeah. What is that? <laughs> the Terminator is the, the favorite film of our founder. So they, they use the same name, but they want to put something good into this system. So, okay, in the Terminator, Skynet is evil, rains down death from the sky. But in China, Skynet is good. Yeah, not a difference. So how do you think your facial recognition technology will change China? Everything happened in the, uh, in the public can be record. We can know exactly what happened in every second, in every corner of the city. This is uh, a video stream in a subway station by a smart camera. So we can capture every face in real time. Still like some criminal person is out there. There is a, a red box. So there is a warning to the police station that there is a criminal person, so I need to locate them. So when it looks out onto a crowd, it's tracking all these faces and it's cross-checking those faces against what? Criminal database. And how many fugitives have been apprehended through this system? Over 3,000 cases in, in nationwide. Yeah. Just one, one year. In one year? Yeah, one year. Wow. So what you're working on now already seems like sci-fi. What do you think the future will look like in like five years? Have you seen a film just like a black mirror? You just stand there and your face there is a point. So maybe that is the future. But that's like a horror show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. China is the model that they're working with to master these technologies. They're channeling over the technologies of, of mass surveillance and doing it 
in incredible speeds. And just to make your make us all proud, most of that technology has come from our tech companies, which have sold to the to them and assisted China in developing one of the most dystopian and nasty surveillance systems and programs in the entire history of humankind. Our countries are actively involved, all for the name of profit and trading on Wall Street. I've said this many times, and it's, it's true. I mean, our moral problem in our country is a moral degradation and a moral bankruptcy. And the fact that everything now is so driven towards making people's 401ks and investment stocks work better, no one has any sense of what is sane or right. And unfortunately, that leaves us massively vulnerable to the subjects of what's going on. Now, this sort of spillover is real, and we're seeing it now within the United States, and it's coming in a very dark form. And what that dark form is, is we are starting to see that the Pentagon now is pivoting to start to identify domestic terrorists or threats to the nation based on the way the op people act on social media. Take a listen to this. The Pentagon says there are 78 cases of troops who have allegedly advocated for the overthrow of the U.S. government. Advocating for extremism includes liking a post online, according to their policy. The article says the list of allegations related to extremism encompass a range of activities involving advocating or engaging in unlawful force, violence, or other illegal means to deprive individuals of their rights under the U.S. Constitution or laws of the United States. Hmm. Who remembers when Commander Green brought forward evidence against Vice Admiral Knoll that him and his staff and the U.S. Navy had violated the Religious Freedom Restoration Act by creating an SOP that denied religious accommodations being reviewed individually? Violations of service members' constitutional rights were further corroborated when a whistleblower leaked a memo from the Department of Defense IG to the Secretary of Defense dated June 2nd, 2022, which stated to inform you of potential noncompliance with standards for reviewing and documenting the denial of religious accommodation requests. Well, now I'm confused. Didn't the DOD just say their definition of extremism was denying somebody their rights under the U.S. Constitution? Weird. It's almost like DOD leadership just outed themselves as extremists. Huh. The and, Pentagon and, says there are 78... And they did. And they did. And that's just it. It's because we're dealing with a tyranny that's now rooted deep within the bowels of our Pentagon. And just so I'm clear, because I don't want to be, I don't want to be overlooked as one of those domestic nice guys. I can already guarantee you from the things that are said on this channel, somebody's got me flagged as a domestic terrorist. And that's okay, because here's the bottom line. Under our Declaration of Independence, we are given the right and the duty to overthrow forms of government that become despotic. In other words, tyrannical. This is our current state of affairs. And with that, it means that the leadership in the military that is accountable to the people, ultimately, especially all those generals that approve the death shot, need to be publicly hanged and given the penalty of death for executing and for attempting to murder innocent soldiers and force them to take a shot that was against the Nuremberg Code. So I, I want to be very clear that in these, when we make these statements, we are definitely flagging ourselves in this new dystopian world that we're in as domestic terrorists, as threats to the nation. And I take and I wear that badge proudly, and I hope you will too. This is a sort of event now that we have to start to realize that we cannot comply with these people. And that's exactly what this is all a threat-based environment now where they are trying to constantly and constantly reduce you to fear and sub, 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 subjecting you to the fear that they want you to believe in so that you will not perform. Now, in Afghanistan, there was a concept called Joint Prioritized Effects List, also known as a JPEL list. They'll say it again, Joint Prioritized Effects List. Sounds good. Sounds really interesting. You don't know what it is. What that is, it's called a kill capture list. 
the JPEL list is when people were put on the JPEL list, there was either a, it was to develop a packet to either kill or capture. The sense of what you're getting out of the Pentagon right now, especially when we go back and we look at Obama, who authorized the killing of, of Americans without due process using drone strikes, what you're beginning to see the merging of that legality that was already in place with the approach of using uh, the, the uh, targeting people for what they're saying or doing online, including likes, you're now going to see a new level of what they will call JPEL lists. And that JPEL list will literally be to target Americans to kill or capture them by our own forces. That's already happening. They're just not calling it that. That's what the FBI does well. That's what ICE does well. A variety of other people as they target U.S. citizens. Now, you can be feel really good right now because in spite of these seven over 7 million illegal aliens that have come across the border. ICE is finally stepping in, doing a great thing, and to curb that illegal immigration for the real criminals, ICE officially arrested 26 people. I know. I, I'm, I'm sure you're excited as I am. 26 illegal immigrants in California were, re, were targeted for removal over crimes of sexual abuse. So they're going to recycle them back across the border so they can come back across the border in the open border and disappear this time. And so these 26 people that ICE did their wonderful job at will simply be back in the United States more fired up than ever to literally come back and do more sexual crimes. So this is the sort of insult and nonsense that the government does, and it will continue. But in other big news, and I'm sure this is going to cause all sorts of problems in the inner city, and especially in some of our school systems, it's this, and it's the worst we could possibly imagine, candy inflation has now come up, come up as a big crisis as cocoa prices near record level. Cocoa prices Wednesday hit $4,285 per ton in New York, the highest level since 1978, as the outlook of poor crop harvests across West Africa has been a major bullish factor pushing prices higher this year. That will translate in simple terms. Bloomberg reports that the world's largest chocolate maker, Hershey's Company and Nestle SA, have yet to feel the full impacts of soaring prices because cocoa is brought is bought well in advance. However, those stocks are going to, those stockpiles will begin to diminish on the commodities market, and you can be assured that you're going to have to pay a lot more at the market for candies. And if there's anything that might bring America to a wake-up call and have a revolution, it might be because the Reese's Pieces went up by 50% or 100%. Let's hope. We can only hope. Now, all of this, Patriots, is, is really looking at a deeper problem that we have. And one of those deeper problems is really reflected well in a post by Michael Yan. And that is literally, who is pulling the puppet master strings across the globe? And I'm going to read this article for you as he, he calls it a mind dump sans edit. And I think it's worth hearing. He's got some good perspectives on it as I read this to you. And it's going to be, this is one of these edgy things, which again, if you weren't on the, on the JPL list before, you will be on after this. And so here we go. We're going to read it. It says, I'm watching a, as big ships steam through the canal, meaning Panama. We got lucky with rain yesterday, and I pray for more today. Canal needs water. Our lives need this water in the canal. The Torah graphic came today from a small group of Jewish friends. It says this Torah graphic, he has it at the bottom. When I first started realizing the evil of the Zion stand, formerly known to me as Israel, I was compelled to speak up. And it is my business, 100%. I am American, my country is involved. Zion stand demands on my obedience, support, and sometimes silence and pushed death jabs. Zion stand can go to hell. 
My concern was that close Jewish friends and associates would feel or think I was turning on them and not limited to Zion Stan. Uh, similar to California, I spent about two years in California and made great friends and loved California. Old California, that is. The great California did millions of great things. But California morphed into Californistan. There is New Yorkistan. There is China stand. There is France's stand. There is Germany's stand. The stands are growing. Zion stand is hardcore evil. Zion stand clearly has in, was involved in the Hamas attacks on 7 October massacre that killed over a thousand Jews. But Zion, Zionists don't care about average Jews, treat Christians and Muslims as their dog servants. Zionist stand will do cheetah backflips to pull us into war with Iran. We have, have, but have you ever personally met Iranians who you actually want to kill? It's a great question. I tend to get along very well with Iranians. A war with Iran would be catastrophic, and I personally would revolt against killing random Iranians. Expect a false flag from Zion stand, and be prepared to stand alongside the Jewish brothers and sisters in this massive genocides unfolding, which is exactly what they're doing. Now, patriots, this is a real issue. And this is a, the graphic that he's referring to shows a membership card. It says Torah Jews. And it says, I'm an American Jew. The state of Israel does not represent me. And so the important piece here is that there is a, a, a cabal of people. This takes us back to Ukraine. It takes us back to the Kazarians, the, the Kazarian Mafia, which is also known as the Red Jews. These groups of people are the center of an organized crime network that is tied in with other secret societies which include Masons, which include people from the Black Pope, and that would be Jesuits. And so there's a combined effort globally to include the Chinese triads that are trying to work, and cartels work together to create a global network of criminal networks that everybody is subject to without any laws that will limit them, and all surveillance will control us. So it is truly a two-tier system at its max, and anybody that dares push against it will be targeted, removed, likely tortured, and likely killed in the end of the day. That is their goal because these people feed on pain and they feed on keeping everybody in fear. And so this is how they do it. This is the new global order. This is what the World Economic Forum looks like. This is also what Elon Musk is helping with. Now, for all of you that are Elon Musk fans, let's get clear. Elon Musk likes to do a lot of neat things like build, build Twitter, like to let people have free speech on Twitter. Don't think for a moment that everybody that's speaking up on Twitter isn't being tagged and located. That is what they do very, very well. So it's called TTL, tag, locate, and uh, it's uh, tag and locate is what this is, uh, it, tag, track, and locate. So tag, track, and locate, TTL, is what they're doing digitally to every single person currently operating on X, formerly known as Twitter. And what they're able to do then is to start amassing, as people have been so hungry to get free speech, they're now identifying every household down by your IP address up to what you're saying on Twitter, which will now allow them to roll out a social credit score on Twitter, which will be a place where you will be able to, you'll be managed based on what your tweets were on Twitter. This is happening. So there is this war going on with, with Elon Musk against another faction of the elites. What we are witnessing here is a war of elites. And I don't know if there's if there's, there's likely two or three of these factions, one of them is a dark Satanist faction. The other one is kind of the Trump property-owning faction. And the other one is kind of the Elon Musk publicly subsidized fool Satanist and completely out there trying to use investor money to build his wealth. 
These are factions. You have to start to understand that this war is not about us, never has been. It's about who has the power to control the world. And unfortunately, Elon Musk carries such an attraction with this millennial generation that he can literally roll out mass surveillance and people will celebrate it, which they're doing because he's calling it other things. He's referring to it as internet available to anyone in the world, which is just his version of Skynet. He's got, they've got Twitter, which is a supposed free speech platform. All of these things are tying together to aggregate income or data to ensure that people will be easily tagged and tracked and subjugated to the ills and wills of the deep state. Now, let's be clear. We are in a state of war right now. And this is part of the war is that the elites and the countries are now trying to wage war, keeping people off base all of the time. Now, what that means is that in this, in this process of keeping people off base, you want to have one region that's threatening to go to war like Israel. And this here, Israel readies for war on seven fronts. So they're trying to get everybody destabilized there while they attack other dimensions of this war, go after you economically, go after you politically, they're going to go after you for your religious beliefs. They constantly keep everybody off center so that they can hopefully break the will of people to keep you being, preventing them from being united and becoming a legitimate force. They are afraid right now. They're afraid because there's a lot of unity in this building, but so they're using everything they can as fast as they can to try to keep people divided as they move as quickly as they can to try to secure the, their control base of a new world order. And with this is parting to get people off into electric vehicles, which is another big sham. Electric vehicles are completely a complete lost uh, event. They're not working, but they want you to believe they are. And we're seeing that in what we call the, the graveyard, which is the graveyard of EVs that are electric vehicles that are not being sold. And this is China is one of the first big indicators of this, where they literally have acreages of cars that are just sitting there. They were made but aren't sold. Electric vehicles, batteries that can't be recycled, the whole disaster. And the other part indicator of this market is the used market of electric vehicles is very poor and very low. So what that translates to is a market of a product that you're buying that ultimately is a constantly, you, you're not going to be able to sell what you get. You're going to be stuck with it until the battery fails. And then you're going to have to use massive amounts of money to replace that battery or simply throw away your car. We've arrived at a throwaway vehicle concept, which is unheard of, should be unheard of, and yet we're here. All of that's centered on the on this concept, again, that everyone needs to have an electric vehicle, but we know that's not true. So this event that we are heading towards this year will be an event to try to cover the tracks of the, of the many people that are out here, and in doing so, to try to arrive at, at a place where people's memory can be erased, and they will forget very clearly what happened, and we will move on. I want to play this piece on EVs. It's kind of important. Hey, I'm just doing a quick little video here just to give people an idea of how much energy it takes to charge an electric vehicle. I'm at Electrify America. This is a 350 kilowatt station. I'm consuming roughly 137 kilowatts. It'll fluctuate. Sometimes I can go up to the full 350. But to put this into perspective, an average home consumes 1.25 kilowatts per hour. 135 kilowatts per hour, it's like the equivalent of 106 homes on the grid, just this one station. And that's one station for an EV. So you're, you're starting to see the problem of this is it's a stress on the grid, and the grid is being overstressed by design. Ultimately, they want to rupture the grid, 
And this is part of the new, if you're tracking where the investments are going, lots of money is flooding into nuclear right now. And there's an anticipation of seeing a grid collapse with the billionaires of class lining up already for this next wave of, of re revival, renewal, if you will, rebuilding of America. They will come through in massive public funded contracts that they will take advantage of. And then they will trade those on Wall Street. So it's a true public-private partnership to where the, pu the public utilities are really going to become private privatized utilities. And everything at the end of the day is going to have a cost and an owner rather than a public-owned anything. This you can only get there when you push the technologies like like this here, push a green agenda that's ultimately about keeping people in control and keeping them subdued. Remember, this is a you will own nothing, we will own everything, you will rent everything, you will have nothing, we will be you will be happy mentality, where the billionaire class is doing everything it can to push people into con confined living spaces, have the rest of the country to their pleasure, and then they control the population. That's textbook right out of Hunger Games, by the way. So take a look at that when you when you sit back and look at things and realize the event that they're trying to do ultimately is to keep us off base, hating each other, and easily migrated into these high-density living environments where they're, they're going to call them green environments where you are controlled after they've already done the elimination. But the elimination is happening, and that's the COVID con. Unfortunately, with the vax, we are seeing thousands of people die, and we are with that and along with drugs, the hemorrhage of the United States of youth is off scale. The millennial class has been hit with roughly 10 million either disabilities or deaths, which accounts to a large degree of what's the, the gaps we're seeing in the workforce. It's not because these people are lazy. It's because they're dead or disabled. Pretty simple. But the Americans who want to believe that, it's easy to believe that because the statistics are hard to aggregate, and yet they're there. So what we can probably expect then in the, as we end up at this into this year with some sort of black swan event, as they're talking about, and this is... This is part of what the UN is pushing for, which it aims to, to for the member nations to adopt the Pact for the Future in September 2024. The nations would be given unprecedented authority over the public and private sectors of huge swaths of the world, all in the name of battling yet unknown crises. And what kind of crises do you ask? Well, here's the examples. Major climate event, future pandemic risks, global digital connectivity disruption, major event in outer space, unforeseen risks, hence the black swan event it'll be easy to pass a black swan event onto the american public probably be an active shooter event that'll like i said that'll allow the u.n to flow in to start using martial law and our own military because so many of our military have been corrupted especially the transgenders that are in the ranks of the military that their only loyalty is to their home hormone therapy and so you'll end up with a massive event in the united states that will likely end up in an attempt to confiscate guns through martial law. Sadly, many people will go along with it because they have lost their will and their ability to stand up against authority. And it's something that we all have to get back to and a willingness to stand up against authority at any cost. That is the only way we are going to win this fight. And unfortunately, not enough people are willing to step into there and to try to literally win this fight. So we will see how this pans out. Lots of things ahead, lots of concerns ahead. But nonetheless, it's it's going to be an interesting fight moving forward to try to preserve the republic. Now, just as a side note, in case you have been using public bathrooms, you need to have another scare, obviously. There is literally, and, and from what I can tell, this is fairly legitimate, they are literally concerned about people dying from using public bathrooms. This is not, not a joke. Take a listen to this. 
Police are finding that people are actually getting really sick and dying from using public bathrooms. What would possibly be killing people in a public bathroom? So just last week, there was an investigation in California where they went in public bathrooms and they found that the toilet paper used in public bathrooms are actually killing people. So what they found was that people that do drugs will go into public bathrooms, get their needle, stick it into the side of the toilet paper to clean off the needle so all the gunk and the blood and whatever residue gets stuck into the toilet paper and then they clean off the needle. But since their blood and substances get all over the toilet paper on the inside, it then gets stuck onto the toilet paper when people use it. So when a normal person goes into the public bathroom and they use the toilet paper, they don't see all the poked holes and all the blood on it because usually there's a case around the toilet paper. So some specialists are saying that it's safer to use the toilet seat cover as toilet paper instead of the actual toilet paper. Yeah, that's real. And that's, that's a wonderful thing to know. So honestly, if I would start packing my own wipes, if you're going to use public bathrooms and avoid them, this stuff, this is the sort of craziness we have to start realizing that everything in this society is falling apart. Drug use is up. Homelessness is up. Transgender conversions is up. Everything Satanist following is up. The growth of Satanist churches, even into the schools, districts, is up. Abortions and other forms of disruption of birth are up. It's off scale. And everything is about sex and everything is about drugs and everything is about escapism and everything is about me, profit, and consuming as much as we possibly can. So whatever you do, um, just keep that in mind as you walk around. Things aren't going to get any better. They're going to continue to get worse in a big way, and that's very unfortunate, but it's very true. Now, there is news coming out that we are, and this is right in line with everything else, that we are likely heading into a place where we are going to see some form of a universal basic income. This apparently is rolling out in Canada, and I want you to hear this piece, be prepared because we're probably next on the docket. Universal basic income is coming to Canada. Will the U.S. be next? I've been warning of a UBI, universal basic income, for a while now, since that is where we are in the fall of Rome sequence. Recently, Canada's left-wing liberals proposed just such a scheme, dubbed the, quote, guaranteed livable basic income. Lest one think it's just the liberals who've gone mad, Canada's Conservative Party deputy leader then spoke warmly of it, saying Conservatives should, quote, own it. So, in all likelihood, it's coming. First off, what is a UBI? The idea is to give everybody just enough to get by whether or not they work. A typical number might be $1,000 per month. Supporters claim people will still work, which is hilarious, more on that in a moment. And many conservatives, such as the deputy leader, have been suckered with promises that it will replace the existing welfare state. Which, of course, is a lie. New welfare schemes are often sold that way, including the EITC here in the U.S., which was sold as a negative income tax. That would replace welfare as we know it. But, of course, that never happened. The extra trillions just went on top because it turns out that handing free money is like salting a soup. It's easy to add. It's very, very hard to take away. Beyond the bait and switch, why is a UBI so bad? Partly because the cost is raid the treasury level, so perhaps $3 trillion per year in the U.S., but mostly because it would radically expand our growing army of permanently unemployed couch-surfing parasites who do little work beyond voting for more welfare. To see why, consider two similar phenomena today, unemployment benefits and pensions. A few years ago, the New York Times put out a major time-use survey, finding that while full-time workers spend five hours a day at work, unemployed people on benefits spend just 30 minutes a day looking for work. So how do they spend the other four and a half hours? 
watching TV, napping, surfing the internet, playing games, and hanging out with their girlfriend. So that's a 90% drop in work. We've got similar numbers from retirement. Once Americans hit that magic 65 line, the Bureau of Labor Statistics tallied up the number of seniors working. That came out to 8% working full-time, 7% working part-time, which compares to 63% of the general population. So in that case, it's an 80% drop. Beyond the extortionate taxes on the few who still would work, the main victims would be the young, who will be bribed out of entry-level jobs, ushered into a life of quasi-poverty, doing nothing, having nothing, and complaining about it on TikTok. So what's next? Brought to you by Unchained. Vote buying has been popular since at least the Roman Empire, who put the bread in bread and circuses, and it's driven the country to ruin since at least the Roman Empire. But the political calculus is irresistible. All those millions of juicy votes. Now, COVID was the test case in Canada and in many other countries. And the next recession, you can be sure they will push it hard here in America. As for long-suffering Canadians, it looks like it will get worse before it gets better. Okay? Absolutely. And that's really what we have to come to the bottom line with, is all of this is going to get worse before it gets better. And as long as we're prepared for that, we should be okay, but it's it's not going to be an easy thing to, to deal with. Getting worse before it gets better is kind of the motto everyone needs to live by, be prepared for, and understand that where we are headed is in more insanity, as like this. Whistleblower, Ted, Texas Governor Greg Abbott awards a $1 billion contract to his buddy to bust criminals and child traffickers into America interior at $5,000 per illegal immigrant. Continues on, a security guard for the Texas Illegal Immigrant Biz Busting Program tells Health Ranger, which is Mike Adams, that Texas taxpayers are paying a $5,000 per illegal to, tune, uh, to the tune of about $250,000 per day to ship violent criminals and child traffickers into the interior. I get wanting to, I get, wanting to get these people out of Texas, but at $5,000 per head, seriously, sounds corrupt. Get someone to investigate. Well, it is. It is very corrupt, and so here's what's happening. Under the guise of playing war between sanctuary states and sanctuary cities, where these governors of the Republican side were shuttling immigrants into the areas of like sanctuary cities to cause an overflow, what you've been watching is bread and circus completely. And so what is happening is that they're playing games. These people are not at odds with one another. They're just playing the game. The public says, cheer, cheer, yes, yes. Send them to the sanctuary cities. Make these people suffer the, for, for wanting to have sanctuary cities. Make sure we send as many as we can. The problem is that it's that sort of rallying up is not getting to the core of what's actually happening. What you're witnessing is, say, we'll take New York and we'll take Texas, Texas is now finding a way that the public will turn a blind eye to moving in sex offenders and other traffickers because they're simply saying they're going to ship them to New York and people say, yes, hooray, New York deserves this, and no one pays attention to what the content of the delivery is, which will include predatorial child sex traffickers, human traffickers, and other cartel members in all of that. So think about that if you're out here cheering and hoping that's a good idea. It's not. And it's simply a way to cover the operational tracks so that people don't pay enough attention to figure out what's really happening. Sad, but unfortunately, very, very true. And it's a deeper, deeper reflection constantly of the sort of disasters that we're dealing with here in the States and what it is in terms of a degradation of our own government and how that's going to continue to unfold. Now, 
this is this is a great one. This is kind of again we're back to insanity. The new California law requires stores to carry gender-neutral toys, or you'll be penalized. All of this is insane, and at the same time, you're seeing the World Alliance is starting to pull apart as the United States literally marks time. The billionaire class and the and the others are laughing their tail off at the stupidity of the public as our public kind of meanders away into the bowels of of whatever and ultimately can't get out its own feet to realize who the real enemy is. The enemy sits in D.C., okay? And beyond that, the enemy literally goes into a place where we have to start waging war on the spirit because they are an extension of what goes on in the spirit, and that's the truth. So, patriots, we are in a very challenging time. As a time, we will get through it, but we have to keep our focus principally where it is. The news and the details offers us some insight into the sort of craziness that they intend to have come at us. But at the end of the day, the only way we're going to fix this and correct this is getting ourselves deep in the word and in prayer. Because it is through all of these sorts of analyses and we understand stuff that the only way to defeat it is in the power of kingdom, the power of Holy Spirit, and the power of our prayers. So I really encourage you to keep that going because... Understand the problem, then pray into it to break it, because our role in breaking strongholds is immense. Find somebody to pray with if you don't have somebody at home regularly, and that begins an expansion, extension of the warfare that we need. Now, as a final note before we pray tonight, and just a reminder, going forward now, there's two shows a day, 7 a.m. Pacific and 7 p.m. Eastern. Morning show is prayer and is prayer warfare, which we titled Bended Knee for now, and the other show is Bards FM, this show, which will now begin at 7 p.m. Pacific and 10 p.m. Eastern. All of these times were lined up, which is better for my efficiency on schedule to develop good content, continue to deliver good content, and to make it a little easier on those that are ending up watching three shows a day, which, or at least a couple of shows a day, and trying to keep up, which is pretty taxing, when sometimes, I will be honest, when you get three shows a day, something has to give, and too often it ends up being to the level of quality that I like. So there we have it. Patriots, let's pray. Father, we just come to you today blessed and humbled, and we thank you for this time we have together. Thank you for the blessings that you continue to pour upon us. Thank you for all that you provide to us to keep us in this fight and keep us going. Father, we just ask that you, as we put ourselves before the throne, you continue to challenge us, lifting us up as we seek to do greater works in he. And as we do this, to truly become greater in the kingdom. Let us have the humility that we need in this time. Let us truly have the approach as we have in this time to lift ourselves up through you and be greater as the sons and God, sons of the Most High. So, Father, in this fight that we're in, it takes a lot of adaptation. It takes a lot of awareness. It takes a lot of ex executed prayers. We ask that you'll continue to guide all of that with your wisdom. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, that's it for tonight. And it's a great show and enjoyed having you here. This is um, a lot of things to consider as we go forward. And it's essential that we do, keeping ourselves literally armed and ready and keeping yourself well stocked on your supplies at home. You need to do that. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow morning for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless, good night, thank you, and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, 
support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable. And we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. 
We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.